What if you could imagine life on earth where there was absolute, total joy, harmony, love, cooperation, literally everyone able to speak to the animals, everyone revering and honoring the God within everyone else. Jumbo fellow adventurer, it's Mike Dooley here to remind you of how powerful you are and how much you deserve by sharing spiritual tune-ups. These are live broadcasts Monday through Friday, each lasting 5 to 15 minutes, where I answer viewers' questions, bringing lofty metaphysical concepts down to earth for your immediate traction. You were born to succeed. You are pushed on to greatness every single day. Your positive thoughts are at least 10,000 times more powerful than your negative thoughts. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy a week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Jumbo, fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, happy Monday. Time for a spiritual tune-up with a rather sad question that I think can be a launching point into joy. All right, so how to be happy amidst suffering. Mike, I had a hard time staying positive, have a hard time staying positive and joyful when I see all of the bad things happening to people, planet Earth, and most of all, to animals. As I start thinking how much the animals suffer, it's hard for me to do anything, let alone be a productive human being. I feel you. I understand. Nothing I could ever say uh, would justify the suffering. Uh, neither would I try to negate the very real pain that is felt throughout the world by the planet, which is a living, breathing consciousness by the animals and by our brothers and sisters, um, human and otherwise, if you will. Um, but what if you could imagine life on earth where there was absolute total joy, harmony, love, cooperation, literally everyone able to speak to the animals, everyone revering and honoring the God within everyone else, everyone working to help everyone else out and finding their own bliss in a unique and creative way so that they can be themselves while at the same time being of service to others. I call it selfish service, but that's a, a tangent there. What I want to get at is I want you to be able to imagine in your mind this, this world living as one symbiotic uh, organism where every single ant, mosquito, molecule, atom, boy, girl, dolphin, chimpanzee, is playing in one symphony together, taking us to a realm unimaginable with, with breakthroughs, discoveries, excitement. Imagine your happiest day on earth so far. Imagine the happiest day of your life on earth so far. Turn that up a thousandfold. And imagine that kind of ecstasy ever increasing into eternity. That's normal. That's where we're going. And the 
price to pay for getting there is a fleeting pinch in a transitory holographic world such as what we're going through right now. What if you were told you can go there to this utopian society forever and ever, know that you're one with the divine, capable of all superpower powers, in love and loved by everything, but the price is a brief fleeting dip into ignorance where you will no doubt stub your toe, fall down, get hurt, violate and be violated. But that would just be a brief fleeting speck that happened in a fake make-believe dream world. The pain will be real, the circumstances won't. Would you pay that price for eternity in the palm of God's hand? You did, and you are, and you're paying it for all who will come beyond this juncture in time and space. This is not normal where we are. This is way out of whack. These are the Stone Age times that will be the folklore of future civilizations who will just not be able to wrap their head around the naivety and the ignorance we lived within. That we didn't know that we were loved all the time. That we didn't know we were supported by angels everywhere we went. That we didn't know that we were each other's brothers and sisters. Where we thought animals were things to own or to eat. Um, they will not believe the stories and the folklore of what we're going through right now. But we know it's real. And I'm not justifying it. It is not okay. Um, there is no excuse for our ignorance, except here we are in the middle of it, laying the groundwork, paving the road with bricks of gold to a better world that will last for eternity. And some of you will say, well, why, would we, why wouldn't we just skip? Why wouldn't God be able to just skip this crap right now that we're going through? Uh, I'm sure God has her own reasons, but do you know what's better than getting to the top of a mountain? This is a note from the universe, one of my all-time favorites. Getting to the top of the mountain after first having been so lost and so brokenhearted, you fleetingly thought you might never arrive. Can you imagine the ecstasy of getting to the top of the mountain after having been lost versus just teleporting to the top of the mountain, there'd be no adventure, there'd be no sense of accomplishment, there'd be no journey. Hey, it's about the journey, right? So this is my deduction of God's reason for us to be immersed in these sacred hallowed jungles of time and space. I wrote about it in my book, An Adventurous Guide to the Jungles of Time and Space, formerly titled Lost in Space. Many others have speculated God wanted companionship, so God created man and woman, so that God could see herself through the eyes of another. You can't do that when you're everywhere always at once. And this world was so intoxicating that the man and the woman started eating the fruit and everything else to the degree they forgot that they were of God because it's such an amazing oasis of paradise. And so they've forgotten. But we're waking up right now. It's an irrevocable march towards the light. And then when we get there, we're going to be on top of the mountain. It's going to be, it's going to be unimaginably blissful 
for the lessons we're going through now. And the cuts and the scrapes and the broken hearts, they're fake. The pain is real, but the pain will be cured. The, everything else is fake. Everything here adds to you and makes you more. So I hope that helps and brings some comfort. I'm not trying to justify the ugly. All of us are tasked to do better, to look better, to raise the bar in our lives, in our spiritual pursuit. Look for the eyes of the divine behind those that you peer in today, whether they're fur babies or somebody out in the street or somebody on the internet right now. Um, you're never alone. You're loved and adored, and you can begin living heaven on earth. Um, you can begin living your full, fully realized self. This incarnation on the fly, maybe today is that day. Jumbo fellow adventurers, good morning, happy Tuesday. Welcome to another spiritual tune-up. Today's question posed by you all, thank you so much for your questions, for your engagement, for the waving, for the stars. So today's question is kind of fun, something everybody can kind of have an opinion on for sure, uh, which is true of all of my topics. Um, what about marriage and monogamy? What do you think about the structure of marriage in Western society? And is monogamy natural for humans? All right. So the question presumes, as does virtually every culture and society, that there is a natural way and an unnatural way, a right way and a wrong way. So the premise um, is fatally flawed. Not that the questioner assumed anything, but generally the question of thumbs up, thumbs down, it, marriage and monogamy, two different things, um, are never a one size fits all. And neither should anybody be under the bogus delusion that a marriage is sanctioned by God and other relationships are not. We are the eyes and the ears of the divine. We decide what we sanction. Whether you get married, don't get married, get a divorce, marry five people, marry the same sex, that's up to you and that's all good. And for you, it's, per, it's natural. You decide what is natural. Um, of course, other factors, maturity levels, uh, to decide whether or not a conventional marriage, a Western marriage is good for you, whether or not monogamy is good for you, uh, your dreams, your desires, their dreams, their desires, your fears, their fears. And from all of these variables, we do the best we can to decide what will be best for each one of us. And no one else should have a say in how we choose to run our lives. To speak specifically on each, marriage and monogamy. Marriage. As my friend Neil Donald Walsh of Conversations with God stated in his first few volumes of that amazing series, um, marriage is not only man-made, but it is a man-made institution. And institutions are anything but empowering and liberating. So, 
That doesn't mean that marriages cannot work. That doesn't mean that they can't be beautiful and love-filled. That doesn't mean that in many circumstances that they might not be the best way. In other words, that's a double negative. They may be the best way in some circumstances, in many circumstances, to raise a family given the norms and the culture uh, in your immediate vicinity. Because, you know, clearly... If everyone's doing one thing, not that you should, and you come along and do something radically different, that's going to challenge your children. And that might be a great thing. You know, there's no one answer for this. I will tell you that in my case, I always thought marriage was kind of a ridiculous notion um, for all of the spiritual reasons, limitation, making a commitment for life when you can't even know what you're going to be like in a year from now. We all change all the time. Um, but when it came to, to me having to make that decision at the age of 50, uh, it didn't happen for me until very, very late. Uh, and my partner was Mexican, a Mexican nationality. We couldn't be together, period, if we didn't go through this you know, ritual protocol of marriage. And so that eliminated the debate. Um, and I, we happily got married. And much to my shock, uh, surprise, uh, it has been so cool. I love being married. I know it's antiquated, man-made, all those things, but I, I really love uh, being married. Of course, it has a lot to do with my partner. Um, but the whole human version of marriage, beyond just what you know, a spiritual partnership could be, is something that I have really relished. Given my age, given where I'm at, given my needs, my dreams, my desires, my fears, it's really, really awesome. But that doesn't mean it's for everybody. Monogamy, same thing. It can work really, really well. But to say that everybody should be there... Uh, I think that's ridiculous, but I would say this as well. While for many people, monogamy might not be natural, it's their call. That would never give anybody the right or the excuse to lie or to cheat or to, you know, be dishonest. You know, you need to be, everyone needs to be upfront, needs to be transparent. What will work for me? What won't work for me? Hey, I thought it would work for me, but I don't think it is. So we need to have a talk. Um, that's the high road. Uh, it would never be acceptable to be like, well, I did it because everybody did it, but it really doesn't fit me. So I've got, you know, I've got a side, I've got a side dish, you know what I mean? So, you know, no, 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 you cannot, you cannot do that. Transparency and honesty always. Um, if you can't do that, then you probably don't have the right partner and you probably shouldn't be married and take care of that first. Uh, I will say that if we could look into the future um, and see how an advanced civilization deals with the concepts of marriage and monogamy, I think both would have very, very low priorities um, in the value scale. Um, I don't think monogamy would be, you know, that's the way to go. I don't think marriage as we do it now in the West is the way to go. I think both would kind of taper off and disappear. But for some people, no matter how advanced or enlightened, it, it may be the perfect thing. It is not a poor way 
a poor approach. It is generally, if I can make a sweeping statement, a rather primitive concept, both Western marriage and monogamy. But again, um, to each his own, um, to live within their boundaries or outside of the boundaries, neither is better. Both are spiritual. Both would be, ought to be conducted in love and respect and joy. And so you get to decide, fellow adventurers. Thanks for this opportunity and letting me share my ideas. We've got some real heavy-duty questions that came through last night on Instagram. Um, reproductive rights. Oh, yeah, we're going to go there. Uh, and uh, a couple of other really good ones. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, time for a spiritual tune-up and a half, all crammed into one session. As promised yesterday, the topic today is headed up with raised Catholic, pro-life, reproductive rights, question mark. I was raised a Catholic Mike and have been practically disowned by my family for not always voting for a pro-life candidate. The whole reproductive rights, when life begins, and abortion issues still vex me. Any insights? Okay. I'll do the best I can. Um... No one is pro-abortion. Pro-choice is not pro-abortion. I would generally advocate, generally, not always, against an abortion or terminating a pregnancy. But there are more circumstances than just rape or incest in which um, it would be permissible, in my opinion, uh, for reasons I'm about to give. Uh, it is naive to think you played with fire, now you got burned, so you have to have a child for the rest of your life. It's like, look, we need to look at issues like this with a spiritual lens and a spiritual focus, which heretofore we have not done, which has gotten us into a lot of hot water, divisiveness, and real heartbreaking situations. The one and only question that slices through this exactly is when does life begin? And if you answer that with your physical senses alone, you're going to be going down rabbit holes that make absolutely no sense. As if life began in the physical realm. You know, and we know so well, that life, the physical world is energy. It is vibration. It is illusion. It came after intelligence and consciousness, not just the divine, but your own. Therefore, life does not begin at either conception or at birth in the way we typically think it. An eternal, spiritual gladiator of love and joy decided ahead of time, I'm going to planet Earth or planet Brohashka or planet wherever, to live in this hallowed jungles of time and space, to love and be loved. And every single one of us surveys the landscape and looks for probabilities that will suit us. And we know who our parents will be. We pick them. They pick us, each of us with objectives at heart. And then we begin 
the dissension, if you will, for lack of a better word, process, which is no way a negative or derogatory uh, term, this descending into matter. We know if the people we are choosing for parents are stable or unstable, and there's reasons to choose parents along both lines. We know that the pregnancy may be in jeopardy. We know that maybe some young person got in over their head and this is not going to come to fruition. We know all of those things, but yet we choose based on what will be ideal for us and what is believed to be ideal for all involved at the time. And just like in your normal everyday life, matters and circumstances change, enlightenment grows, ignorance fades, or ignorance grows and enlightenment fades, and we are sometimes left with making different decisions, overwhelmed, underwhelmed, and we do, we all do, everyone does the best they can. And so if during the pregnancy, the, the, the mother wanted to terminate the pregnancy, the ancient gladiator of love and joy who was waiting in line will see what has happened, will obviously not check into that physical body, and will go on unscathed, no worse for the wear. And I know that that might sound very offensive and ignorant and naive to some of you out there, but I'm sharing it as I know it and as it comes to me, and you can just take this or, or not take it however you like. So the question is, when does life begin? It certainly does not begin at the point of conception. And I think it would be very fair to say that it begins when you have a live, breathing being who is ultimately moving into the world around with an affection and an attachment physically and spiritually to parents, siblings, life itself, favorite colors, favorite music, then you are in a totally different realm. And I know the argument can come up, well, hey, if we're not our physical body and we came first and somebody goes and murders somebody down the road, their spiritual being is intact. Isn't that the same thing? No, it is not the same thing. Everyone has to decide for themselves at what point there is a viable human being alive. And I think anybody would have to acknowledge that it cannot happen prior to them living and consuming of the material world. But, you know, what if they're five days old? What if they're five years old? How much is vested? Clearly, it still remains complicated. Um, the best to realize is that everyone's doing their best. If this has ever happened to you, you did the best you could with what you had. The ancient beings that surround you and love you still surround you and love you. They'll look for another opportunity. Um, opportunity was not lost any more than if you go left instead of right. There's new adventures for them and for yourself left behind on planet Earth. Everyone is playing out their life inside the heart of God, learning lessons that we all have to learn, and none is better or worse than the other. Let me just see if there's anything else in my brief notes here that I wanted to address on this very sticky subject. And oh my gosh, I'm starting to sweat. This is not an easy one. Well, fellow adventurers, I think I did the best I could with that one. Um, uh, Pro-choice is the only way to go. There is no way that somebody 
should have to make choices based on someone else's opinion. And while you have every right to say that my comments and views are totally crap, there is no way that you could know more about yours. And therefore, let everyone have their own views and make their own decisions and leave judgment day for your maker so to speak not that there is any judgment in the world that i believe in so keep doing your best keep loving and living and um asking me really hard questions Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley here with another spiritual tune-up. And I thought I would go somewhere with a little more levity than the past couple of days. And what came to mind based on many more questions I keep receiving from you. Thanks for the questions, the engagement, sharing, stars. I really appreciate it. But many questions come in pertaining to death. And as you may well know, about a month or two months ago, I did five tune-ups in a row on the afterlife, reincarnation, all of that kind of stuff. So check it out. Go to the index either in Instagram or Facebook and you'll see there's over a hundred spiritual tune-ups. But the questions continue to come in and they're always a little bit different. So I thought I would draw from one of the favorite books I've written, the top 10 things dead people want to tell you. So here we go. Is there a hell? If a person dies in their sleep, do they know they're dead? How do I know dead one, dead loved ones are okay? Why do good things happen to bad people if in fact that's the case? I once wrote a note from the universe that by the end of many hours figuring out what to say, uh, there was a little line in there and that's what dead people want to tell you. And I remember thinking um, that would be a really cool book one day. The top 10 things dead people want to tell you. So, um, so it became my first Hay House book and maybe one of my best-selling books of all time. The top 10 things dead people want to tell you. And each of the points is a chapter in the book. So I'm just going to tell you each of the points, maybe give a minute or so on average to each of the points. Um, and if you want more, then you can get the book. It's probably $9 at Amazon or something like that. So the number one thing out of the top 10 things dead people want to tell you is they're not dead. Um, and that was really important in order for me to be able to write a book about these things because, you know, if they weren't there, they wouldn't be talking. Um, this is perhaps one of the number one fears that human beings have during their lifetimes, and that is that they are going to die, period. Whether it's soon or later, uh, I get that question a lot right now. How can you comfort me? How do you know what you know? Uh, by observing the obvious, we can see that the, we are immersed in, in a world of intelligence and of love that numbs the brain. And if you keep thinking along those thoughts, you realize we are of God, we are eternal, that time is an illusion, just like Einstein said. And suddenly you realize that, of course, the physical body is not the center of where we are. It is the conduit, the channel of our spiritual energies, which never expire. And this is good news if you've lost somebody to death. 
uh, it's great news if you used to fear dying, thinking that it's lights out forever and ever. Um, we are eternal gladiators of love and joy here for the adventure of it, to love and be loved. And when we pass, the lights come back on, we see clearly, we laugh until we cry, and then we want to come back and play again. It's so real. It's so captivating. It's better than a movie. Uh, you get to live it. And then in the blink of an eye, you're back in the palm of God's hand and all is well. So number one, no one ever dies. One door closes, another one opens. If you die in your sleep, you wake up on the other side and you're like, oh, oh, I was ready, which leads me to a few more of the points here. Number two, there's no such thing as a devil or hell. Both are man-made concepts in a primitive era, era on planet Earth where people wanted to corral and lead, gain power over other people. And the best way to do that is to put the fear of God in them. If you don't behave and listen to me because I'm really close to God, you're going to go to hell forever. They would have zero traction against the people they want to lead if they said, hey, everybody comes back as many times as they want. Hey, it's all about love and kindness and giving and sharing. It's all about seeing each other as brothers and sisters. Terrible if you want to be in power. Okay, so if you say there's a devil and there's a hell. Now, there's a lot of metaphors, and I've talked about these in the different tune-ups I've done. You know, we eat of the forbidden fruit every day, not in a sinful, judgmental kind of way. That entire story was the first spiritual tune-up back in March. And it signifies us, divine spiritual beings, forgetting that we're divine spiritual beings streaming matter in front of us to such a degree that we bite into the holographic image of the apple we created and it tastes delicious and the tipping point was reached. We fell head over heels from grace, not really from grace, we're still in the heart of God, um, and we started reacting to the world around us instead of realizing we're creating it. Nothing could be more hellish than not realizing you are the source of everything that happens in your life and what you don't like. You can create a new, better, faster, shinier, cooler, happier, friendlier, you name it. Want money? It's very spiritual. Want love? It's very spiritual. You want anything? You can have it. You're God. Okay, that's what we forgot. And not knowing the truth is hell. And boy, do we put ourselves through the ringer. Ain't no devil, ain't no hell. That's what the dead want you to know. So chill out and enjoy your rocking gift of life. Number three, we were ready. What could be more painful than thinking we only live once and that when somebody's life ends, there's an entire stream of infinite possibilities that's gone forever. Wrong. When one door closes, another door opens. If, if you're thinking of moving to Florida or California and you decide California, I mean, if you focused on the fact that you're not going to Florida, it would be the end of the world. What's the reason for living? No experiences in Florida where you could have been so happy. Yeah, but there's going to be experiences in California. Okay, and so, so to think that, that when somebody dies... There's no more growth. 
There's no more smiles, no more laughters. Talk about hell. That's not true. They're laughing their heads off on the other side with happy tears in the palm of God's hand, surrounded by love and friends and, and connections from other existences, other realities, friends from Atlantis and from Mars and from other places, as well as hanging around you. And they're just saying, please, I was ready. No one dies before their time, no matter how strange, freaky, bizarre the circumstances of their death, no matter their age, one minute old, 100 years old, 22 years old, car accident. The best way to understand life, and I've shared this with you many times before in these tune-ups and in my books, is the experiences and circumstances we have are all assembled behind the curtains of time and space invisibly, invisibly, just like the production of a film is done on the back lot, then there's cinematography, and they film the ending of the movie before the beginning of the movie, and then when somebody watches it from the comfort of their recliner, movie chair, theater, popcorn in their mouth, it seems so logical, and how could they have thought of that so fast, and who would have imagined, and the hero saved the day, and... Ah, la, 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 la. But it was all carefully prepared outside of the constraints of time, outside of the constraints of physical logistics. And it was packaged together so that from the comfort of you believing in the lie of a linear timeline, you can show up and be surprised or you could show up and have some weird serendipity coincidence happen, but it's not a coincidence. It was orchestrated behind the curtains of time and space. And this is true of every death, every, every, every death, no matter how seemingly accidental, there was meaning, there was purpose, there was order, every death never an exception. And they want you to know that because if you didn't know that, you would just think it was all was lost and it was the biggest travesty in the entire world. And what could have been will never be. It's like, oh, don't do that to yourself. It's okay. It's understandable that you're in grief if you lose somebody. I mean, that's just the way it is when we're wired to the, to the illusions as we are. It just seems all bad and we cry for ourselves, hopefully, not so much for them, they're in a better place. It's just not really better. It's just that there they know. Uh, they feel all the love that here we deny ourselves. Similarly, number four, you're not ready. Number three was they were ready, evidenced by their exit. Number four, you're not ready, evidenced by your presence here. Um, if you're breathing, as Richard Bach said in the book Illusions, that's a pretty good sign that, that your work on earth, your adventure on earth is still unfolding. Doesn't matter if you're bored. Doesn't matter if you're angry. Doesn't matter anything, anything. If you're alive, it's not your time. If you have cancer, it is not your time. If you have anything going on in your life, it is not your time to die because you're here. You're learning. You're growing. You're you're being put through things you wouldn't have gone through otherwise. And as each moment and day and week of your life unfolds with cancer or whatever the circumstances are, you're becoming more and objectives are being met. Surrender, enjoy every moment, decide what you would like to happen next and prepare to be astounded. Number five, we're sorry for any pain we caused. This is the fifth 
top thing that dead people want to tell you that they can't readily tell you. Not because there's judgment, not because they're punished. There's certainly no such thing as hell or the devil. But there is such a thing as consequences. And can you imagine your life review on the other side and you realize your bad day and your bad mood and your foul temper totally changed the trajectory of someone else's life? You'd be like, look, I was having a bad day and I didn't mean to take it out on you. And now I can see the damage done. I can see from here things I couldn't see from there. And everyone going through that kind of a review will feel the emotional repercussions of every decision and action of their life, whether it was violent, whether it was obscene, whether it was just a bad mood, they're going to feel what you felt. And they are going to be so sorry because, as I said yesterday, everyone is doing their best. As my mom would say, sometimes a very poor best. But they see it and they're sorry. Okay? And it wasn't that you were a victim and it wasn't that stuff could randomly happen to you for other reasons. You chose to be in the vicinity where those kind of things could happen. Uh, and there was opportunity for you to learn as well. And no one is ever made irrevocably less for what has ever happened in the past or present of their life. We all get other chances to rise above and see the light and live in joy. Number six, your dreams really can come true. They're on the other side and they're like, oh my God, it wasn't just a saying, this law of attraction. Our thoughts become things. They literally do. So whatever you want, think those thoughts. Number seven, heaven is going to blow your mind. Blow your mind. Bathed, bathed in love, completely understood, um, able to go anywhere at, that you can imagine in the past, the present, the future, other realms, other planets, joy everywhere, clarity everywhere. Now, I talk about suicide from the perspective of the person contemplating it, the person who did it, and the survivors in this book. And I've talked about suicide and other spiritual tune-ups. I don't like the idea that by us understanding how much better it seems on the other side, that somebody might be like, well, it sucks here because I'm going to make things happen faster by going over there. You came from over there. And from over there, at the zenith of your brilliance, you said, time, space, now, me. You knew what you were doing. There's order and there's a reason for your madness. It's playing out perfectly. Objectives are being met. Do your best. Keep going on. In the blink of an eye, your life, your life will be, this incarnation will be over anyway. So, so what will you find on the other side? Well, it'll be a whole lot cooler when you stick it out here. Otherwise, you go to the other side and you're like, crap, why did I do that? I had all this stuff going for me and everything was about to get better. If I had only kept the faith of, can I go back? No, not in the same way that you were there. Got to start all over again. Got to, not an option. So, so you have, we all have so much to look forward to on the other side. Colors we can't imagine, sounds we can't imagine, music we can't imagine, love we can't imagine. But it's all here too and that's part of of the hook of time and space. Open your eyes, go within, be enlightened, experience heaven on earth. That's one of the many possibilities that awaits all of us here. 
And whatever you accomplish here, it's going to even be better on the other side. Your experience on the other side will be better for what you accomplish here is what I mean. So for every extra day, every extra year, every extra decade that you're doing your best here, it'll be even more amazing on the other side. And you'll be so grateful. Uh, number eight, life is more than fair. Now that does not jive with what our physical senses tell us. Boy, this is a long one, huh? Um, life is more than fair. We're inclined to succeed. Bad things do not happen to good people. And the clarity here that you'll get, and it's deeply uh, entrenched in this book, is that nothing's bad when you have the lens of eternity and you realize everything makes you more. So hang in there. There is fairness. I know that doesn't seem to jive with what your physical senses tell you, but one day it will. Number nine, your old pets, dogs, cats, fur babies, feather babies are as crazy as ever. And they're going to greet you with more wagging tails and sloppy kisses and chirps and the like than, than you can imagine. So be comforted. And number 10, love is the way, truth is the path. Love is the way, truth is the path. Thanks for indulging me for such a long one. These all came from my book, The Top 10 Things Dead People Want to Tell You. The link is below. Jumbo fellow adventurers, Mike Dooley, happy fry, yay. By the way, this is Thoughts Become Things. That's our little sign between us, all right? Nobody else knows. Thoughts Become Things. Okay, so today, answering your questions as always, I encourage you to ask more down below on Facebook and Instagram. I've got my talking points, and it's a beautiful question, uh, one that is perfect for today. Mike, what is the fastest way to grow? Clearly, spiritual growth is what the questioner had in mind. And yes, we can accelerate it. Yes, the more we know, the funner life is. The more love, the more joy, the more ease and simplicity, and the faster your manifestations. So what are the five ways to grow? Before I even go there, this makes me think of a favorite note from the universe that said something to the effect of, you know, please consider that living in these sacred, hallowed jungles of time and space is much more like kindergarten than Harvard. Okay, we, we don't live and work in the Harvard of the universe where it's like so hard and so daunting and so much competition. We live in the kindergarten of the universe. That's time and space. Hey, thoughts become things. Get it on. It's easy. Don't argue for your limitations or they will become yours, as said Richard Bach in his wonderful book, Illusions. So five steps for you. Five steps to accelerate at breakneck speed. What a terrible metaphor. Your spiritual ascension and joy on planet Earth. Number one, be led by joy. Be led by joy. Now, I know that that can seem like the most daunting task in the world. Like, oh, I'd rather, you know, I'd rather do hard work than be forced to be happy or fake being happy, either suffices. And if you don't know what makes you happy now because you're so desensitized by a cold, cool world or following the shoulds and messing with a cursed house, 
just do your best. What direction might be the best where you would one day have dividends of joy? There's your path. Just go do stuff. It's easier than you think. And when you start down a path, you start seeing other avenues and alleyways to consider and take. Be led by joy. I might say it is the whole point of living in time and space. The whole point. Number two, see yourself in others and others in yourself. See yourself in others and others in yourself because we really are one family, not metaphorically, literally. You're just another part of me. I'm just another part of you and the same for everyone in your circle, including complete strangers. When we can see ourselves in others, immediately love is stoked. Empathy is ignited. This is so critically important. It's not you against the world. It's you with the world. And seeing this on a regular basis, it becomes part of your, your givens. And you realize that when you help someone else, you are helping yourself. So see yourself in others and others in yourself. Number three, rely less on logic and more on feelings. Rely less on logic and more on feelings for direction, for answers, for whatever you want. Learn to use this thinking muscle a little bit more than this one. Don't disregard this one. Number four, this is probably the answer you may be expected to begin with. Maybe not. Think deeply. Think, yeah, think deeply. I said there's a place for this. And for me, I call it deductive reasoning. I call it contemplative thought. I take both with me into daily meditation. I do not necessarily try to calm my mind. I go with a question. I go with wonder. I go seeking answers and to be closer to the light. So think about the meaning of life. Think about who you are and why you are. And think about what would bring your own vibration higher. Ask yourself this question in a very personalized way, how to facilitate growth. Think deeply, contemplative thought. It has unlocked almost all the mysteries in my life, still working on a few. Uh, and number five, the last one, study your own suffering. It's not by chance. Study those things that bother you. Study those things that keep you awake at night. Go with contemplative thoughts in this direction. Why? You're not a victim. You're a creator. You chose to be here. If you're feeling anything less than ecstasy all the time, that's me, that's me, then there's something else to learn. And the fastest way to get to the crux of the matter is... Blended with these other four items, study your suffering. Why do I hurt? Why doesn't it make sense? How else could I view this? What's going on? Why am I experiencing? Why am I feeling? Why have I fallen? Why am I alone? You're not a victim. 
you could be joyful today. I trust many of you will be joyful today. You can be joyful all the time. And very often it's not until we are poked that we realize that there was a chink in our armor that needs some buffing out. Go to that poke. Go to that pain. Buff it out. See that you are complete, that you are whole, that you have power, that you can make decisions and be free. Really quickly, a summary. Be led by joy. See yourself in others and others in yourself. Rely less on logic and more on feelings. Think deeply. Think deeply. Think deeply. And study your own suffering. Well, there you have it. One more week's worth of spiritual tune-ups. Thanks for tuning in. If you enjoyed what you just saw or heard, please share with a friend. Uh, thumbs up, like, follow, whatever may be the case on the platform you're now experiencing this. If you want more inspiration every single day, I send out a note from the universe. Right now, it's going out to a million people. We'd love to add you to that list. Enjoy. Thoughts become things. See you next time.